0: Hello and welcome to Outside Football with me, your host, Cameron Poe. If you're after a podcast that delivers fascinating international footballing stories from every corner of the globe, you're in the right place. This is a special bonus track featuring an extended edition of my interview with all time Singapore appearance record holder and Tampanese Rovers defender Daniel Bennett. If you're looking to listen to the whole hour long episode on the Singapore national team, you just need to hop back one track to episode five. If you're still with us, on we go. If you're listening in from the city-state, the man you're about to hear needs no introduction. With over 140 caps at senior level for the Lions of Singapore, Bennett has played a part in some of his country's finest footballing achievements, namely three separate Southeast Asian Championship victories in 2002, 2004-2005 and in 2012. No man has ever pulled on the red jersey on more occasions, nor achieved more success in it and the 42-year-old rightfully has a place in the FIFA annals. This feat is made all the more impressive by the fact that Bennett only began his international career shortly before his 25th birthday, since, as you're about to hear, the defender wasn't born in the country he's represented over a hundred times, but rather, in Norfolk, England. Daniel. How did the move to Singapore come about in the first place? Let's go right back to the beginnings before it all started, really. And what was it like growing up in the city-state? Well, my parents
1: were, were teachers originally, so they, they got uh, contracts over here to, to teach. Uh, that was way back in 1980. I was two years old, so I don't remember too much about that, obviously. Um, life in Singapore is, is very different now. I'm sure you've, you've been to Singapore. Uh, one of the most expensive places in the world. Probably when we arrived, it was nothing like that. a third world country and really building its foundation. So lots of things have changed. And it's really, really an honor for me to, to, to have been able to live here so long and then eventually represent
0: the country. And was was sport always a big part of your life um, growing up? I mean, were there opportunities to play? Because obviously Singapore is known for a lot of things and a lot of successes. Uh, sport perhaps probably isn't one. And so I just wondered how that really tied in uh, growing up as a youth in Singapore.
1: No, I mean, for myself, sport was always number one. Um, I think when you're, you're good at something, when you're young, you, you enjoy it and you, you follow it through. I wasn't, I, I was okay at school, but, not the best, as most footballers are. So uh, it was always sport, which was my, was my number one. I played rugby, I played, I, I ran, I was an athlete and uh, football was always the, the first for me, yes.
0: And so how really, what was the point for you where uh, football um, made the transition from, say, a hobby to something you could perhaps see uh, blossoming into a career? Was there ever a stage where that happened for you?
1: Well, I think from an early age, there was an ambition that I wanted to, to be a professional footballer, but obviously you don't know what that means when you're, when you're young, really. You don't really understand what it takes and, and uh, what you have to do to get there. So I presume it, it was when I was around 16, 17, and I started to sort of get interest of some of the local clubs in Singapore. Um, I was training with some of the, the national youth teams, although I couldn't play for them because I was. Uh, I was uh, still a British citizen. So uh, they, they put me in contact with some clubs and I started training with them. And by the time I was getting close to my 17th birthday, I was already in the first team at uh, one of the local clubs. So uh, it really it really happened within a year or so that I was sort of playing, I guess it was sort of semi-professional football. Nobody was professional, I was still at school, but it sort of got me into the mindset. And then when I went to university, I always had that in, in my mind that I, I could possibly come back
0: and do that. And speaking of university, having lived almost all your life uh, in the Lion City, how did it feel returning to England for that further stage of your education? And how did that balance with a burgeoning football career? Yeah, it was, it was hard
1: coming back. I mean, the culture over in England is just completely different. So I was, I was at Loughborough University, a, a well known sporting university. Um, a lot of good players, and I found it difficult to to settle in to start with i was in the, I started off in the fourth team. Um, my dad called it the pub team. he said, "What are you doing in the pub team and and slowly uh, I, I crept up I was in the seconds and then I was in the first team but um, it was it was it was not easy uh, the culture is very different uh, i 'd only ever spent summer holidays there, so just getting used to being so far from the family and and uh, the weather as well. I mean, it was a complete change for me over there, yes.
0: And so in Singapore, before you've gone, you've spent time uh, with, with Tiong Baru um, coming as a semi-pro, uh, just as a teenager, getting into the swing of things. You've gone to England um, to do your degree. After finishing your studies, you returned back to the city-state. And what sort of path did your career take then? Well, honestly, I, I came back
1: thinking it could be sort of six months just allowing me to live there again because uh, initially my contract was six months. I thought it would give me an opportunity to, to sort of come home. I considered Singapore still my home and perhaps find a job. Uh, then, then shortly after I'd arrived, they started talking about uh, the foreign talent scheme, which in Singapore was the scheme to, to get foreigners to start representing the Singapore national team to, to, to improve the, the quality of the the football in Singapore and give us better chance of winning uh, Trophies against uh, countries within the region, really, and uh, sort of within a year or so, uh, my career sort of took off. I was named Player of the Year in 2001 in Singapore. I played against uh, Liverpool and Manchester United when they came, and and from that, I I managed to get some trials back in England. And as you know, I ended up uh, back at Wrexham within a period, which I confirmed that I would take that citizenship and. And then, uh, of course, my association
0: with Singapore continued from there. And I mean, because obviously there's, there's two big points there, obviously. You've, uh, you've, you've managed to uh, find yourself some, some football with a reputable club in England, or should I should say Wales, um, and you've also taken the move to, to become a Singapore citizen, um, which obviously uh, is a, a complicated matter because it, Singapore doesn't recognise dual citizenship. Um, but just to look at the, the Rexham side of things, uh, firstly... What are really your memories from the, your time with the Red Dragons? And what was it that, that convinced you, that encouraged you really to come back from the UK to pursue a, a career in Singapore?
1: Uh, probably my memories, I had, a lot of it was just walking out on match day because the crowds were just unbelievable there. Even if it was a three, 4,000 crowd, I mean, the noise and the, the passion which the fans had, I, I will never forget. Uh, walking out at the race course was, was wonderful. Uh, it's, they're, one of, they're some of the best moments in my career, uh, for sure. And I, I still keep in contact with some of the, some of the fans there. Uh, it's nice to know that I was held in fairly high regard as a player. So uh, Wrexham is, is always close to my heart. Uh, but I think more, ne- more than anything, it's the, the boys off the field. Uh, I had a great group of guys. Uh, I remember driving in with Lee Trundle every day. As you know, he's, a, he's quite a character. So uh, I'll never forget those drives in with, with Lee. Um, and I lived in the city centre in the end, in the city centre of Wrexham. And I had some good mates that we, you know, we, we were all single at that time and we all hung around together. So there were some really good friends which I've made from that period and, uh, and I still keep in contact with them.
0: Uh, after that great time, obviously, two stints with, with Wrexham, uh, sandwiched around your time with Singapore armed forces. Uh, what was it that made you decide to return to Southeast Asia? Well, I think I think
1: the fact that I, I actually took the Singapore passport during my period at Wrexham, uh, it, it made it a lot easier to represent the country being in Singapore. Um, I, I I honestly did want to come back anywhere i really miss singapore in many ways uh i the only regret the only regret i would have is that i wondered whether i could have played at a higher level in england uh there was there was some interest from some championship clubs while i was there and uh that's the only regret i would have but then you know i've had such a wonderful career in, in singapore and and you you can't have it both ways so I felt that coming back to Singapore would allow me to travel much more easily with the team. There's certain competitions like the Suzuki Cup in Southeast Asia where it's not a recognized international tournament. So you get the, the likes of Edrington now, who was playing for Cardiff. So he's, he wasn't able to come back for those games. Um, so I just felt it would make it easier if I was in Singapore. And... Uh, and I'll I get the opportunity to travel around Asia. I played against the likes of Japan. I played in Korea. Played, uh, played in all, all sorts of... In the Middle East. So I've had a fantastic time travelling, not only playing the games.
0: And I imagine, you know, in so many games, and so many years, uh, at, at the forefront of Singapore football, and obviously travelling to all corners of Asia and various qualification trails, you must have seen some sights uh, in, in that time. I mean...
1: Yeah, if you talk about stadiums, we played in uh, probably the, the, the best stadium I played in was in Japan, in Saitama Stadium. We played the Japanese national team in a World Cup qualifier. And I walked in, it was just like on a PlayStation game. It was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, top players will get that all the time. But um, walking in with the Singapore team, it was, it was a proud moment. We lost, we lost the game, I think, 1-0. We had a chance at the end to equalize. Uh, but that was a memory in terms of one of the best stadiums. We've we've obviously been to some other places. Uh, Jordan was a memorable one in a way that we we had the opportunity to qualify for the Asian Cup. It was the last game, and we needed a draw. And we'd had a fight with the boys from their team in the tunnel the game before. So going to Jordan it was a little bit of a revenge for them. And we didn't quite know what to expect. They put us up in the mountains. We played a game up in a, in a field in the mountains, a stadium there. It was windy. The boys were aggressive. The fans were wild. Uh, in the end, we, we, uh, we lost 2-1 in the, in the final moments of the game, but it was an atmosphere which I won't forget. Um, I think the, the, the other one is probably Tajikistan where I, I, I'm still certain they poisoned half our team before the game. And uh, the referee prior to the game said that, you know, if you need to go off partway through the game, just go. You don't have to ask permission because we were just running to the bathroom the whole game. So we spent half the game with, with players going on and off the field. And it was a, it was a tough game. I think the, the military had come to watch and we, we, we drew with them and, and we uh, we. We qualified for the third round of the, the World Cup that year. So that, that was a success that we had uh, in very hard conditions. Um, yeah, there, there are lots of stories and, and some, some great places we, we've been to and places which I wouldn't have had the opportunity to travel to had I not been with the national team.
0: And, and speaking of, of opportunity with the national team, obviously this, this lasted throughout, well, across two decades, really. But it started back in, in 2002, in the lead-up uh, to the Tiger Cup, uh, in late in the year yeah. in 2002. Um, obviously, going on to win in 2004. 2002 wasn't quite the same tournament, but that was obviously the build-up of the beginning of your international career. Um, and the first game, in fact, was a warm-up game, wasn't it, against the Philippines? Um, and how did yeah. it feel, finally taken to the field as a Singapore player? You know, how did it feel... to to start on that journey that's taking you to the the FIFA 100 Club?
1: I think it probably hits you when uh, you sing the national anthem at the start. That's this, yeah, it's an emotional moment and you're singing the the national anthem and the fans are there. You know, it's the stadium which I I grew up going to and watching those those players of uh, past years. So the likes of Fandi Ahmad, if people know, I mean, there's some, there were some very good players and they beat some some top teams in the past. Uh, so standing on that field and singing the, the national anthem is, it was a fantastic feeling. It was a country which I'd grown, grown up in and it felt like home, so it was natural.
0: You've always been very clear in, uh, in interviews, etc, that, that Singapore is you're home and you are Singaporean now, of course, officially. Um, at the start, though, uh, were you ever concerned about the reception you might receive as a naturalised player in the national team? Was it ever different for you, coming obviously from a, a different background?
1: Uh, I didn't worry about it myself, really, in terms of the fans. I, I don't think there was a, ever an issue. There were, uh, there were other national uh, players who were naturalised at that time, uh, just before me. So we, we, were, we were in that team together. Uh, there were sometimes murmurs within, within the, the, the players that they weren't quite happy that I was there. But uh, it always felt like home. So, I mean, some things you just got to shut out and, and get on with it. And, and I've always had a good reception and, and I'm still here. So in the end, uh, I presume that they accepted me.
0: I'm sure they did. Obviously, you top now the, uh, the all-time list of appearances for the national team, well over 140. And really, I guess, looking back, you've had some great moments with the national team. Um, one of the greatest moments in Singapore history obviously came in the 1998 uh, Tiger Cup. That title wasn't defended, unfortunately, in 2002. But in 2004, 2005, you were part of the team that did manage to win that title back. And how did that feel to be part of um, a championship winning squad? I think, it's, I
1: think it's the same as uh, many, many uh, teams would say. Once you've won that first one, you have the belief that you can do it again. So I think going into that tournament, probably there was not as much belief that we were actually going to win it. But I remember as, as the, the tournament progressed and we got further, we grew as a team, really. In the tournament, we didn't start particularly well. We had draws against the Vietnam. We had draws against Indonesia. But as the tournament progressed, we 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 began to grow together, and uh, we had a fantastic manager as well, Radio Nainggolan, and and uh, he really he really had us on our toes. We were very disciplined. We were very very fit, and uh, you know, we just felt like in the end we were going to win it. You just had the feeling that we were going to win it. And I remember in that first uh, the, the, the the first leg of the final, I scored after five minutes. You you probably read that i just got married two days before, so everything was going well.
0: It sounded, uh, and what, from what I've seen from the videos, it seemed uh, an incredible crowd. Um, I mean, quoted as 100,000 100, uh, in San uh, And so, I mean, I can only imagine it must have been a great moment. Obviously, this isn't the only time you've won silver Silverware with Singapore. You know, you've made it a hat-trick of titles in 2007 uh, and 2012 as well. Um, is there really... Is there one, really, that you can pick out? Is there a moment, really, that of particular significance to you that, that might stand out?
1: Well, I think it was probably the first one. Like I said, it gave us the belief to, to kick on and win those other ones. But also, the second leg in the first one was at home, whereas the other two, they were away in Thailand. So the crowd was pretty muted, as you can expect. But in Singapore, winning it on home ground, that was just... A, that was a wonderful feeling in that stadium, in the old Calang Stadium, uh, in front of our own fans, which was, was packed. It was 60,000. Um, yeah, that, that was probably the, the one moment which was the most special.
0: Incredible. And, and, and looking at the 2012, the, the final Singapore's fourth victory in, in what was now called the AFF Suzuki Cup, um, the final was of added, added importance for you yourself. It took you to uh, cap a 100, number 122, uh, putting you on top of the Singapore all-time list. Um, all the way from Philippines in 2002, straight through to Thailand, um, all this time later. How did it feel not only to have become an established member of, of, of Singaporean football folklore, but to rise to the very top of, of the national echelons? I,
1: su- I suppose when you're there you don't really think of it you just you just playing we, we were playing 50 60 games a year you know we were playing club football we were playing the AFC Cup or the Champions League we were we were playing friendly games we were playing the national a-team games so you're sort of just going game by game you don't have really time to to, to, to see what you're actually doing but you know now I look back uh, I think it was quite an achievement. Um, there the will be players in future who get more games. But, you know, I started with the national team when I was just, just going to turn 25. So to get 142 caps in, in, in that period, I think I, I, I pretty much played every game. Uh, I wasn't injured much. I, I played the majority of the national team games. So looking back, I'm very proud of what I've done. But like I said, there will be players who, who hit more. And they'll be good when they do because, uh, you know, that, that we've got some good players in the national team now as well.
0: And, of course, speaking of, uh, of your national team colleagues, uh, is the one really that stands out to you as as, as, as being perhaps your favourite to play with, the most impressed you've been uh, by a player in a Singapore ship?
1: You know, teams go through generations. So you have different teams and we had a... F- I, I mean, I lasted through a few different teams, obviously. Uh, I wouldn't say there was one. There was, there's, there's many who had different qualities. I mean, we had fantastic goalkeepers. Uh, we've, had, we've had defenders who I've enjoyed playing with. I mean, I don't like to pick out just one player because everybody has uh, different qualities. Uh, I enjoyed it when Alex Juric came in the team. Uh, he gave the team a big boost, his, his uh, attitude on and off the field. He scored, he scored a lot of goals in a very short period of time. I'm good friends with him. Uh, but also playing with the likes of Shijayi, Musafik Faroodin, Amri, uh that batch from who came through together, Bahaki Kaisan, Ridwan uh, Muhammad, and uh, Shari Lishak. Uh, th- these boys, they always stand out because they, they came through at the same time I was coming into the team. They were six years younger than me. They were sort of 18, 19. I was 25, but they, they came in the team at the same time. So... I think those those boys were there was a special group, and I was glad that I was involved in the team at the time that they were coming through as well.
0: you've certainly been part of a great unit or many great units uh, over the years over the last two decades, uh, and speaking obviously finally of, of of teammates as well it would be, it would be remiss of me not to mention uh, an infamous two thousand and seven incident in the Singapore Cup on on club duty, um, which happened between yourself and a, and a fellow important player in the Singapore team, Noel Shah, top scorer from the early years, Tiger Cup. Obviously, it was not publicised what happened, but did that ever really spill over into the national team? Because you continued to play alongside each other for years after that. Well, he he was banned for, he was banned for,
1: I don't know if it was eight months in the end, I'm not sure. Uh, But no, I mean, Raddy sat us down and we talked about it. And, you know, sometimes there's got to be a time for forgiveness. So, uh, we, we decided to push on it was the best for the team and to be honest we're good mates now so there's, there's no issues I see him around I see him coaching and uh, we're, we're good yeah
0: and obviously we've spoken a lot about uh, the past and the history of, of Singapore football what about the now obviously you know your days in the national team as you said uh, are behind you but you're still actively uh, involved uh, at club level what really is uh, obviously it's difficult to say in this very current climate but uh, what is the plan really for the moment? I
1: just enjoy playing so I mean I signed one-year contracts now I, I don't think it's fair that I ask for a, for a longer contract at my age so I go in and they said you want to continue I say well yeah I love playing so why stop now I can still play I know a lot of people have told me once you stop it's a long post career so enjoy it while you can so I am doing some coaching work on the side and it's, it kind of works well with the football. It allows me to do both at the same time. So at the moment, there's no reason why I would stop. I mean, I feel strong. I feel fit. I think I will know if I can't contribute to the team, but I think at the moment that I can help. I can help the younger boys as well. I do, do contribute on the field. I play in the first 11. Uh, so so I have a contract until the end of the year and at the end of the year, we'll, we'll talk again or, or I'll know perhaps that this is the end and I'll say, well, now I'm going to move on to something else.
0: That play. I mean, it's, uh, I read an interview that someone did with you a number of years ago, the, uh, the quote at the bottom that gold never rusts. And I thought, you know, if you're still playing at 42 in Singapore's highest league um, and you still show no signs of slowing down, it's, it's, it's extremely commendable. Um. And really, you know, after such a long time at the forefront, at uh, the avant-garde of Singapore football, you're probably ideally placed to answer this next question. It's quite a general one. Uh, how do you think the game in Singapore has developed over the years? And what do you think it is in store for its future? Mm-hmm.
1: This is a difficult question.
0: Uh, well, you might, you might
1: know that there's been a lot of lo- uh, rules implemented in the league. Uh, they, they felt that the... The average age was a little bit too high and young players were not coming in. So they forced a rule on clubs in Singapore that they have to play with three under 23 players starting a game. They can be taken off at halftime, but they have to start the game. So what it's done now is really create, well, a lot lot of senior players have lost their jobs um, because obviously you're looking at bringing more than three young boys in, because if, if some of those are injured or or they're suspended, you obviously need backup. So half the squad now is pretty much a youth team. Um, you, you have sort of 10, 10 seniors and, and 10 youth boys. So it's split squads in, in a way. I mean, prior to training, we, we play with the ball and you find that there's not perhaps the same team spirit as there was before. But I think the biggest problem for... Uh, Singapore football is when those boys hit 24, and they still have this rule. They've been playing first team football until they until they hit 24, and then they don't have a club. So whether this is working, I don't know. But at some point, I think they have to lift these rules and say, "Okay, we've 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 got rid of perhaps enough senior players, apart from myself, and and now." We have enough injection of youth. Now let those players who are hitting 23, 24, 25, let them continue playing rather than losing their jobs because, because you've given so much play time for them uh, up until they're 23. They have to be able to continue. So I think there needs to be more clubs in Singapore. There's only probably six local sort of clubs and we have, the, we have a young it's kind of national team. We have a Brunei team. We have a, a team from Japan. So I think there should be more. And so naturally, those young players will start to play rather than uh, being forced to play. And I think that that is a big issue we're having at the moment. And the quality of football has, uh, has gone down. And it makes it very hard when we go into the, the Asian competitions, ASEAN, the, the AFC Cups, the Champions Leagues. It makes it harder for us to compete. So I think there needs to be a good look at that. And... Uh, and then I think there needs to be more money in the league, but then that's uh, another issue altogether.
0: Of course, of course, there's a, a lot of factors really to consider. I think when uh, when looking that's at right. that, um, it'd be you know it'd be it'd be great you know, from a, from a general point of view from a personal point of view to see Singapore manage to make it. I mean, one, I'd love to see them back at an Asian Asian Cup, and see it's something they've not managed to qualify for without being hosts. And you know, I guess the long-term goal we had um, goal 2010 obviously that was, didn't come to fruition but the long term goal was to be seen in a, a World Cup I mean it seems an awfully long way uh, away at the moment um, but I mean I for one hold out hope that one day that it might happen well, certainly- we, we, we have
1: a goal we have a goal 2034 now I don't know if you've heard but the nice. government has has put a, a goal of getting in the World Cup by 2034 so there are plans to get things on the road I'm, I'm currently involved with the coaching of youth and I enjoy the coaching of the young boys. I've been mostly involved with an elite team, under 10, elite team. Uh, and that's, that's the age group we have to look at if we're gonna get in that 2034 World Cup. So it's, 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 a, it's a big thing uh, getting the quality of the coaching to improve in Singapore as well.
0: Well, I hope you all enjoyed the interview. Thanks very much for tuning in to Outside Football today. I've been Cameron Pope. You can find me at, at Camp hope Sport. And do check out the podcast Twitter page at, at @outsidefooty. That's footy with a Y. Uh, you can find links to all our episodes. So far, we've looked into the Singapore national team as well as Eritrea and Uzbekistan. Do be sure to follow those up if you've enjoyed today. Many thanks. See you again. <laughs>